When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. I'm your host, Ryan Key. Hey, guys. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Nick. I'm the other host. I was just saying hi to only you two. Hello. Hello. Yeah, not uh, hi to anyone else. It's August. It's August. My birthday is at the time of this recording. Well, let's just put it this way. My birthday's tomorrow. Because you're listening to this on Thursday. Your 39th birthday? I wish it was my 39th birthday. It's always your 39th birthday from now on. <laughs> That's mine. It is mine. The door to my 40s is open and I will be stepping through and becoming 41. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I turn 39 every year now. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> the door Best. to your gravesite is open. <laughs> yeah. Or what do you call it? My the, mausoleum. Uh, the mausoleum. There it is. <laughs> the door to the second half of the game, buddy. That's oh, what God. it yep. is. <laughs> You're coming out of the locker room yeah. for the second half. <laughs> yeah. You climbed up that mountain. Now you got to get down it, buddy. <laughs> You're going to stumble and fall down it. Tumble. <laughs> Can't wait. My knees hurt. Can't wait. My fingers hurt. <laughs> I have that. I have that on my soundboard. I can't play it because <laughs> I can't. But I, I use it often on stream. It's great. Anyone who's listening, if you don't know what that is, um, maybe fix that part of your life. <laughs> My fingers hurt. What's that? Your fingers hurt? <laughs> well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled landscaping duty. <laughs> Anybody else's fingers hurt? <laughs> Didn't think so. Uh, we also have a pseudo kind of guest, basically. Our friend Mike Forrester. Oh, Mike, you're just going to hang for the whole episode? Let's go. Why not? I'm here. I love that. I love that. You're here. We have We have new armor showing up in this episode. So I feel like you guys called me in relevant to talk about all the nerdiness that goes into that. So I'm happy. I'm always happy to be here. Targeted. Hey, it took me a couple of days to finish uh, your episode with Paul, but good job. That was really awesome. That was a great one. He's, yeah. he's amazing. He's amazing, amazingly positive person. And yeah. it makes me so happy to see all of the success. And it gave me a lot of hope when he said at the end, I have a couple of projects I can't talk about. And I resisted yes. i used every power in my body to say is it star wars related but i didn't so we'll just cross our fingers are you ray's mom <laughs> <laughs> no dude gonk is ray's mom <laughs> yep i think so gonky <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know mike forrester is the host of the armor party podcast the sister podcast to thank the maker within the thank the maker network of two we have a network yep so it's, it's a network that's right we're like hbo <laughs> Or Amazon. Sub-brands. One of us is Max, or one of us is Go, the other one's Now, HBO <laughs> Now, Max, Go. Whatever, it's it's an umbrella, they call it. it it's, a cor- it's corporate shit, they say, you know? It's more of a parasol yeah. at this point. It's synergy. <laughs> Conglomerate. I don't want to get too into it and bore everyone with all the nitty-gritty <laughs> details of the, the corporate structuring <laughs> of our network of podcasts, mm. but listen to Armor Party. Do you guys watch yeah, Succession? It. On HBO. Hell yes, I watched Succession. Season three, let's go. Fantastic show. It's very good. Dude, what a program. I'm only a couple of episodes into season two, so. So season one got kind of like, you know, lukewarm almost review, Mm -hmm. review wise. And season two is like through the roof. The reviews are like overwhelmingly all 100%. You know, it's like really, really high. Amazing. And the reviews of season one, if you read them, talk about like, just wait, you got to wait. Right. Mm-hmm. And everyone I know that's watched the show is like, that's absolutely right. The first yeah. half of the season's kind of like, why do I care? And then it gets funny moments, but like, uh, and then the second half the is end. like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. dude, season two is so sick. Very excited. Thank the Maker, a succession podcast. The show <laughs> is awesome because it's, it may be the best love to hate them show of all time yeah. mm-hmm. they're all like, terrible people. like it yeah, might sure. be the the most like you are rooting for the worst human mm-hmm. beings on earth to succeed and win and like yeah, not yeah. get hurt it's so 
so messed up. So. So, somebody on Twitter finally got me. I've always like had it in the back of my mind to to want to watch it. And someone on Twitter was like, it's like Arrested Development, only not it like as far as the family structure goes. And like yeah. really, when you think about Arrested Development, they're not likable either, but it's a comedy. They're all turds, you know? This so is this kind is, of a comedy. This would yeah, be like black, like it's black comedy. It's super, like super, super dark. It's dark, yeah, but funny. And I'm like, you know what? This has got to be based in some sort of billionaire reality. You know, like this has to be yeah. what it, it happens. <laughs> yeah, get to the chopper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Catalina wine mixer. Let's go, you know? Yeah. It's totally real. My wife and I tried to watch it and like halfway through the first episode, she's like, what are they doing with the camera? What, what is all this? I can't yeah, watch yeah. this. What, is it shaky? And I, that zoom in thing that they yeah, do? Yeah, lots of like quick, you know, zooms and rack focus and all kinds of stuff. They got funding for steady cams after. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember Succession being that gnarly. Yeah, that like quick zoom, whatever it's called. Like yeah. that was yeah. noticeable because I haven't really seen anything like that. And it also didn't seem like it served a purpose to me. You know, I was just like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, let's talk about some set focused no handheld camera. Yeah. And I'm talking about Star Wars. The Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I love it. I love a good star fight. <laughs> Let's cut to the freaking chase. What have you done with those plans? The Bad Batch, season one, episode 14, War Mantle, coming down to the wire, dudes. Yep. Debuted July 30th, 2021, Disney Plus, directed by Stuart Lee. Again, coming back, just crushing over and over and over. Thank you, Stuart Lee. Written by new to Star Wars, Damani Johnson. Damani's written a bunch of other TV series, but this is the first time for Star Wars and first time in Bad Batch. Obviously, starring no one new, no new voices, all returning characters. 29-minute runtime, Disney Plus description. After receiving a mysterious distress call, the Batch tracks it to a secret facility. That's accurate. Hey, do you think... I double-checked. There was no uh, voice actor credited for Griga. You think it's just Dee Bradley Baker? It's got to be, right? For sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I mean, in Rebels, it was him as well, so. Yeah. Makes sense. What did you guys think? I freaking loved it. I assume you're going to say the same. Mostly just so stoked on the art. Yeah. On, on, on the Empire, the base. I mean, it was so nostalgic in all of the best possible ways. Like, yeah. I just, the architecture, the computer screens, the control room with the red panels you know straight up death star the, the music was just sneaking around the death star i mean it, it was heavy heavy-handed fan service and i was there for it yeah i think here's here's a thought i think omega and even wrecker were left on the ship for a reason i i think that there, there was a purpose behind this episode being very much like not focused on the kid or yeah. or Wrecker's one-liners like creeping around the base, old school, original trilogy. That I, I think there was something to that. A trio. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I loved it. Yeah. I mean, I, I dug it for sure. I'm really, I like the story beats. None of them like hit me over the head like, whoa, but it was all mm-hmm. really cool. And I'm glad that they covered what they covered. And I'm just hoping that the next two episodes are the like, whoa, moments, yeah. you know? <laughs> For me, at the top of the episode, the chase with Gregor, that's happening. We didn't know it was him yet. But as I saw him running, I was like, oh, shit, who is this? Who is this? And then when Rex popped up, you know, as soon as the hollow happened, I was like, all right, here we go. Here's our boy. <laughs> and then he talked about another clone. And I was like, which one's it going to be? Yeah. Is, it a, is it Wolf or is it Gregor? And it was just like hit after hit in yeah. this episode. And I'm really glad it was Gregor. I think this was just a big empire thing, as they've done in a couple of episodes throughout the season. This was this was a very establishing, call it like an establishing shot of the empire, you know? Mm, yeah. Putting us in that space of like, oh, this architecture feels familiar. This lighting feels familiar. This, you know, we're 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 starting to build and and create the empire for real now. You know, this episode was about the TK troopers. The clones seeing them for the first time, taking the helmet off and realizing this isn't us anymore. We're being replaced. The Kaminoans being replaced. I mean, the, the, you know, there was important story beats. They just weren't bomb drops. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, like yeah. we're hoping for some type of right. We've we've been hoping all season for some type of like Omega is this right? Yeah. Like we're waiting for that. 
And maybe we'll get that, maybe we won't, but they keep you entertained and they keep you pulled in even without those big bomb drops. I mean, mm-hmm. I was fully just glued to the television watching this episode yeah. because it just felt like such a rad, nostalgic adventure on, in an imperial base, you know? Totally. All right, let's do a quick synopsis. We open up with an unnamed clone being chased by Imperial troops on the planet Daro. The troopers capture the clone, but not before he activates a tracking beacon, tosses it back on a a log, a rock, somewhere. Back on the Marauder, the Bad Batch receive a hollow from Rex. Rex is asking them for help rescuing an old friend who's in trouble. Obviously, it's the clone from the first scene. On Kamino, shit's going down. The Empire has canceled the Kaminoans' contracts. They're shutting down clone production. There's a moment where, is it Lamasu or Nalase? Nalase is tell, like prepping them to get off world. Like they're, right. they're trying to evacuate, basically, it seems yeah. like. Pretty brutal. The Kaminoans are obviously afraid for their lives. They decide they need to leave Kamino to survive. The Bad Batch, cutting back to them, arrive on planet Daro and find the tracking beacon, but no clone. Hunter starts tracking the clone, whose trail leads them up a mountain where they detect a huge structure built inside. Super unexpected, considering there were no known settlements on the planet. They decide to head up the mountain and check it out, but Hunter orders Wrecker and Omega to wait on the ship. Obviously, Omega is not pleased, but they wait on the ship. The structure turns out to be a huge military base built into the mountain. Yeah, to me, it just seemed like that... that base being inside a mountain just seemed like i don't know if it was particularly gi joe but it seemed like gi joe to me <laughs> isn't there a specific like base in a mountain in gi joe i don't know their base might be kind of in a mountain theirs or or the cobra peoples what are they called yeah they're called cobra but i'm not too sure if that's it's definitely that vibe though i get that mm-hmm. one of our patrons says cobra for sure had a mountain base mm. confirmed size the limit as they approach they, uh, they find this kind of like lookout point, not makeout point, lookout point, where they can see down into the base that's dug down in the middle of the mountain. They can see kind of an opening, and there are a few squads of troopers. They notice a few clone commandos and some other who they think are clone troopers, but they have updated armor. Interesting. At this point, Hunter's like, dude, this is, this is too much. Like, we're in over our heads. We're, we're supposed to just extract this dude. This is not a simple extraction. We need to bail. But Echo talks him into following through, hits him with a little bit of a guilt trip. We'll talk about this later. The Batch then go infiltrate the military base. Echo finds out from hacking in, scomping in, slicing in. There are 50 clone commandos and, get this, a thousand TK troopers in the base. They don't know what the hell that means. We do, of course, as fans. TK troopers are the original trilogy troopers. They end up finding this unnamed clone in his cell. They tell him that They were sent by Rex. Turns out it is none other than Gregor. Gregor. Our boy Gregor. 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 (laughs) We'll talk about Gregor later. We know him from the Clone Wars and Rebels. He's a good one. He's a good shit. They battle the troopers trying to find their way out. It's a big blaster battle. They actually have a moment where one of the stunned troopers, because they're still using the stun setting, tech removes one of the helmets, and it's not a clone. This is a big moment for them. They end up at the end of an exhaust port on the sheer side of a mountain. Hell of fugitive vibes again. It was their only way out, so they had to take it. The idea is that the Marauder is going to pick them up on the side of the mountain. So they radio Omega and Wrecker. The Marauder shows up. They scoop up Tech and Gregor. But right as this is happening, a bunch of V-Wings start attacking the ship. They have to kind of veer off, and they get in a little bit of a dogfight. Echo and Hunter are still waiting at the end of that exhaust port. They've got troopers coming at them. There's... It's very like Indiana Jones too, you know, um, what am I thinking? What's the scene? It's Raiders, right? In Raiders when he's running towards the plane. Yeah. I hate snakes, (laughs) Chuck. I hate them. (laughs) That. The the ship flies back to scoop up Echo and Hunter, but Hunter doesn't make it. He falls down the side of the mountain. Everything, like the shit's completely hitting the fan. The V-Wings continue to attack the Marauder as it flies off. The ship is in super rough shape and they're kind of at a crossroads where they can either go back and get Hunter and risk just getting blown out of the sky, or they can bail, get up in orbit, and then jump to light speed. Hunter orders them to leave. Like, I'll get back somehow, I'll be okay, essentially. So they leave him. Back on Camino, Rampart shows up in, like, full, ruthless Third Reich mode, tells Lama Su that he found Nala Se trying to flee Camino. 
I wonder in this moment whether he knew that Lama Sue was in on it or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Was the vibe like, oh, hey, I busted you both or, hey, I busted this one. What do you think about it? You know what I mean? I don't know. He seems to have a plan. You know, I mentioned a yeah. couple episodes ago, he's, he's very thrawny. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rampart, I, I would assume that he kind of just knows, you know, like I don't think the Kaminoans with their long ass necks are really sneaking around anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so Rampart probably knew. Yeah. Anyway, he, like I said, he hits him with the real Nazi shit, tells Nalase, I have use for you as a scientist. You're going to stick around and do our bidding essentially, but no use for Lama Su as a politician. Bye bye, Lama Su. Doors close. Sketchy. I was expecting to hear like a blaster right there. Yeah. When the doors yeah, but, maybe, but you didn't. Yeah. So. We'll see. Final scene. Hunter in the Imperial cell. Our boy Crosshair shows up and hits him with a very like Darth Maul in the, you know, final arc of the Clone Wars line. I was hoping for the whole squad, but you'll do. Roll the credits. Mm-hmm. Like that. Crosshair's music is just so awesome. I know the, the music at the very end of the yeah. show before the credits roll in the black screen was so yeah. cool. All that distorted synth, weird like, like notes. Ugh. Yeah, so sick. The whole score, though, in addition to the the OT throwback stuff, there was a lot. There was a lot of OT throwback in yeah. this episode. In addition to that, it had that ominous synthy vibe the whole time that let you know right out of the gate this episode is not f-ing around. Mm. We're not going to be eating Mantel mix in this one. Yeah. Like shit's going down. Few things to discuss nick what was the one you brought up uh i more so like i about we've been looking forward to what happens to the kaminoans and like what happens to the facility what happens to cloning all this stuff like i'm just wondering if i'm hoping that those wound up being like full-on episodes or arcs where we get to really dive deep into what happens what the empire does with them but i'm wondering if we just got that all in this episode you know like that door, blast door closes on Lama Sue. Is that the end? He's just going to jail. And then Nalase is just going to go and be a scientist now. And like, maybe that's the end of the, the Kaminoans. Well, I mean, we know from the Mandalorian that Dr. Pershing, like their science division, their core, science core, whatever you want to kind of call it, lives on in the form of Dr. Pershing. Yeah. Whether or not the Kaminoans as a species live yeah. on to be a part of that, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, who knows? Interesting though. It's just more like I know we've kind of wondered what happens with them, you know, and like did we just see all of that in about 30 seconds in this episode? I'm hoping not, but kind of crossed my mind. A couple things I thought were interesting. Going back to the stun setting, like we mentioned earlier, at the very beginning when they're chasing Gregor, did you notice I don't I can't think of a single time where we've seen this yet in Star Wars where he gets stunned, but it only it clips his leg and it yeah. takes him down. Yeah, that was interesting. Have we seen that before? No. You know what I, I took that as? He is a clone commando. And I right. feel like later in the episode, they were stunning who I th- presume is Scorch, the clone commando. And it took a few stuns to get him to go down. So I wonder if Gregor, he was kind of like had half of his kit on. So I wonder if it was the clone commando yeah. kit is actually like legit, you know, and it takes a little bit for uh, the stun setting to work on a clone commando. Mike, you know anything about that? like the difference uh, that, i mean it makes sense it makes sense i mean i haven't we haven't you know star wars armor has always been aided by the plot yeah and so uh we you know there's there's really no at least canon other than beskar and durasteel for the mandalorians kind of show i mean the you know there's always been an argument that the uh, i can't remember i'll have to look up the name of the canon stormtrooper armor material but it's supposed to absorb blasts and it doesn't kill the trooper inside evidently but it's not metal right it's It's not metal no yeah it's some kind of plastic composite spacey sounding name right yeah it's called uh i'm like abs plastic but that's not the truth plastoid plastoid Hmm. plastoid (laughs) thanks george yeah (laughs) that sounds like uh (laughs) That sounds like something like a douchey 80s elementary school bully would call somebody. <laughs> Eat it, plastoid. <laughs> you like Star Wars, plastoid? I could just <laughs> see him explaining. It's like, so it's called plastoid. And people are like, did you just make that up? It's like, no, actually, I wrote it down like 15 years ago. It's always been that. It's like, I'm pretty sure I just made that up, George. It's like, no, I've always had that name. And now it's canon. <laughs> well, it's always part of the plan. Um, Echo. Let's talk about Echo for a minute. It's. I feel like it's 
been a while since we got anything character development wise for Echo or even anything like reinforcing his character stuff. He's kind of taken a back seat to a lot of other stuff yeah. for half the season. He's got some lines here and there, but no focus. But here, when there was, we didn't mention, mention this in the synopsis, but there was a little bit of question as to whether or not to even go pick up this reg, mm-hmm. the, you know, this unnamed reg that Rex is telling them to get because they were on a mission for Sid. They had to break away from that. And it was like, okay, money for food or doing kind of the right thing. And Echo vouching for Rex in that moment, I think says a lot about him. He's clearly part of the Bad Batch. He joined, he made that decision at the end of the Clone Wars, but he also clearly still has one foot in his history as a reg. And those experiences, those relationships, still very much a part of his identity, how he sees the world, what he feels like his duty is. I thought that was nice to have him actually like stand up and really be part of this episode on that level. Yeah, I think he's so connected to Rex in a way that ma- you know really matters. And you know, Captain stands up, you stand at attention, kind of thing. Like he was just answering the call. I mean, I, I think his relationship with Rex will overpower. He didn't leave because he was like upset with anyone or didn't want to take orders from Rex anymore or anything like that. He left because he's altered and he felt like he didn't belong. But I think that friendship and that camaraderie there, you know, that brotherhood from the Clone Wars spilled over into this. And that's why he stood up and said, no, we're doing this. For sure. I think he, he mentioned specifically, you know, being rescued on Skako Minor too. And it was like, kind of, I got the vibe that he just wanted to pay it forward. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, this is yeah. basically a parallel to, you know, like they came and saved me. Rex was the one who had just a feeling that it was Echo. You know, there was no solid proof that that was Echo that they were going to save. They just knew that there was some sort of signal coming from Skako Minor, and Rex just kind of felt like it might have been Echo somehow. So I just get the vibe, too, that uh, Echo wants to pay it forward. And, like, this is the same scenario. There's one one clone in there. We can't give up on him. Yeah, Rex saved him. So as soon as they got that hollow with the, yo, I need your help, what else would he do but return the favor, pay it forward, like you're saying? I wonder if... In the hollow, he was like, I got to go. I wonder, maybe he's like just on a mission right now to like grab a bunch of clones. So maybe when he's like, oh, I got to go, that could be maybe he's hooking up with Hauser somehow or maybe it's Wolf, you know. Or maybe he's got a day job and he's like, oh, shit, that's my manager. Yeah. <laughs> well, you hope it's not just like a Maz hollow, like <laughs> yeah. just running from yeah, something yeah. that we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. Wait, isn't there a comic about that stuff with Maz? Didn't they kind of fill know. that? I'm I don't know. Sure. I hope so. I, I haven't gotten deep into comics, but I sure would like to know like what the floating camera situation was that you <laughs> yeah. know, was following her around in that whole scene. <laughs> All right, let's do one item in a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. What's up with Gregor's voice? You guys are going to know better than me because I'm not familiar with the character from Rebels. He had a completely normal voice in the Clone Wars when we met him. Mm. He had a completely normal voice all the way through that episode. And then it was weird when we meet him again in Rebels. It's squeaky like it is here. Yeah. It's probably just hindsight, man. It's like just trying to differentiate all these clones from each other. And they didn't do it at the beginning, you know, when they first introduced the character. So when they brought him into Rebels, they're like, okay, well, because how much was he in Clone Wars? Uh, I think just an episode. One right? episode about him. The yeah. the idea was, well, we'll talk about this in Den of Antiquities. But. So think about what they've done with his performance and, you know, really separating each character by voice, right? So I'm sure it was straight up like he was only in one episode. No one will know. Even though, of course, we'll right. know. But, yeah. you know, no one will know. So they created a voice for him to, like, differentiate his character and stuck with it, obviously. I got it. I'm ready. He had a normal voice, and then he got blown up. That's what people were saying. I did a little reading. That's what people were thinking, because he, okay. he was presumed dead at the end yeah, yeah. of that episode, because he kind of sacrificed himself in a way, just went into what seemed like, like a suicide mm-hmm. moment to kind of... It, because he, he, he had amnesia. He came back around. We'll talk about this. Could have just got rattled, and now he's got a, a little tick. His larynx got blown up. His PTSD. Yep. <laughs> I have one sort of just old guy comment. See what you guys think. Wasn't a huge fan of the troopers with the like lit up visors. The clone commandos. commandos. In this, because to me, that's the kind of stuff that is like, it would be easy to stay away from that stuff to keep everything really connected. Not, not like 
we need original trilogy only all the time, but to keep it connected to that, like that looks like so far beyond the head technology, be, you know, that stormtroopers are as we know them. And they're like going to get rid of that. And never going to use it again. You know what I mean? Like just, there could have been big badass troopers without, with, without that. I don't know. I just, I, I'm never, it's, it's obviously one of the core issues with the prequels to me. And we've retconned a lot of that in our minds about like, well, it was a different time and they got more industrial as it went on. And I back some of that, but this is just like, we're getting into the empire. Why, why make like fancy flashy stuff that doesn't exist later? I don't know. I have a response. Didn't love it. When, when does uh, Republic Commando, the game take place? Like it's definitely back a few years in the end of the Clone Wars. Yes. That's an old game though, right? Well, it was canonized by the Clone Wars because Gregor was a Republic Commando. Right. So in the Clone Wars series, it was canonized, even though the game itself mm -hmm. is kind of in that limbo. Yeah, okay. Republic Commando was set during uh, Attack of the Clones. Uh, I think this was a I think this was a, a felony treat for people who have followed along with Star Wars for that long. Yeah, because he loved that game for mm -hmm. sure, and that's and I think that's really what it comes down to. And I honestly don't think that we'll see any relevance to. I mean, the the clone commandos are essentially training their replacements, and hence and then they'll be Gregor's, phased out. Right, right. Hence Gregor's yeah. comment of like, why would anybody stay there? They know that they're training their replacements. Here's a final kind of real world example of something that gets potentially axed because it's just unnecessary. This light up visor situation is just like, it's like a touch bar on a MacBook pro. That thing's going to go away. Nobody cares about mm -hmm. it. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. Oh, look at this cool new thing we can do with this technology. Now this is just kind of in the way. Right. We're going to ditch that now. So maybe it's that. If sure. you want to really, speaking, I mean, I'm making this up too, as we go, like troopers become disposable from this point on. They're literal, just like, devotees of the empire like people right, so don't who, spend any money on the gear yeah, exactly exactly so like clones cost money the armor you know they were camino was like maybe pumping money into them and upgrading them to the point of being commandos and spending money on that so now like tk troopers are just literal trash like mm -hmm. cannon fodder so yeah that's probably why that technology went away i just made that up thanks i back that i back that it's good <laughs> Right out of the gate, the first scene with the chase, somebody mentioned this online, and when I watched, they actually showed side by side how much the chase with the flashlights and, and crap and like the sort of moonlight on the horizon looked just like E.T., the intro of E.T. Great. Love that. I need to watch E.T. I'm going to put that on... Uh, Wait, like you've never watched it before? No, like I haven't watched it since I was a kid for sure. I have not watched it with adult eyes. Dude, holds up. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I gotta, the pace is definitely dated, but... I'll throw that on my tour playlist. I mean, yeah. I have plenty of time sitting around. <laughs> yeah, but pace aside, dude, if it doesn't cause you to weep... You have when, no soul. ...when Elliot and et are on the t uh, like the medical you know they're in the tent together like dude it, it holds up that is one of the most heart-wrenching things i've ever seen in my life 100 mm -hmm. uh, dude when i was a kid my mom let me watch it for some reason <laughs> i'm like five six years old and when i asked i'm like what is et and my mom is like i don't want to get into like explaining that there might be extraterrestrials and all this this is too much for a very imaginative kid so she said he's a monkey. And so when we <laughs> went to the zoo, we, my mom was like, he, he's a monkey. And I was like, okay, he, he's a monkey. So we went to the zoo and I, and my mom was like, you cried because we went to the monkey house and I looked for ET. <laughs> and then we had a talk. The universe is very large. I don't remember asking. I, I mean, I, I saw ET super young. I had an ET stuffed animal. I was obsessed with it. Yeah. And I don't remember asking about it, but somehow I feel like I knew or I was told or something, you know, that he was an alien, like in some way, but I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember asking, but either way, what a film. Mike, your mom's weird. I have a good quick ET stuffed animal story since you said stuffed animal. Okay. The first thing I ever stole, I don't know how old I was, was an ET stuffed animal. <laughs> first of many? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but it was more like I grabbed it. You're so punk rock. You're so punk rock. <laughs> no, but I was literally like two or three, you know, like Yeah, you were born still punk being rock. held. <laughs> so Long like, Island punk rock. My yeah. aunt my aunt and my mother, we were in like a I don't know, some sort of like I would call it a stationary store, you know, like a place you would get like greeting cards and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But yeah. they had little kind of almost like vinyl but stuffed animal ET. And I just walked out with it, and my aunt and my mother had no clue. And by the time we got to the car, they were like, what do we do? What do we do? And they just got in the car like, we got to go. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so I stole at the age of like two or three. I'm going to guess it was like two, honestly. That's great. Um, Destined for a life of crime. Yeah. <laughs> and the Yoda that was in that. That was great, too. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yo, this is a perfect time to mention that. E.T. sees Yoda and goes, and like has a reaction there. Mm -hmm. That's canon because the E.T. species exists in Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. So they were in Attack of the Clones? Yeah, Uh, in the Senate. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Or was it Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, I mean, they're in the Senate. I I don't remember which one it is. Either way, technically E.T. is in the Star Wars universe, the movie. Amazing. Back to the den. Uh, War Mantle, Project War Mantle, title of this episode. The name referring to the the transfer of the mantle of military power, of course, to a new generation of soldiers being the human conscripts, first mentioned in Rogue One. We mentioned this uh, the first time this came around. It was the one of the files in the Scarif database when they were going through trying to find Stardust. Just a little, like, cornucopia of canon that they yeah. used in Rogue One. <laughs> Let's drop all these. Warp speed tracking. Mm-hmm. Hyperspace tracking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the Darksaber. Yeah. Darksaber. Mm-hmm. Mark Omega. Mike, what is that? Jin or so men is going through and she says Mark Omega. Whoa. Before she gets to War Mantle. What? Mark yes. Mark meaning meaning like targeted. For a hit. Yeah. 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 Whoa. Right. Dude, I just got goosebumps on my whole body. Dude, that's crazy. So I, but I don't I don't know. I don't know if that's I don't, you know, because let's say like the Iron Man suits, right? Mark 43, Mark, it's also identifying a manufacturer or, or a, um, a version, I bet, right? Yeah, yeah. I so, bet it's full-on re- reverse engineering. I, yeah. I bet that w- that was in there. It was on the list in Rogue One and Filoni grabbed it and said, all right, I'm making, We're I'm running creating with this. Omega, yeah. the character. Yeah. I bet that's yeah. what it is, dude. Yeah, I think, she, I think Jin says, Mark Omega, and then she says something like, constellation or some kind of like cloudburst or something i can't remember cluster cluster bomb or something and then she says mark omega but that makes sense like you know you got like mark one mark two whatever right she is the final version a version yeah Yeah. oh that's great cool let's go deep cuts wait so it's not the name's omega mark omega (laughs) it's not that mark omega mark omega Again, we apologize to all New Zealanders. So sorry. We love you so much and we're so New sorry. New Zealanders <laughs> listening out there. Hey, if anyone who listens is from New Zealand or Australia and wants to have us on their podcast and just make fun of our stupid country accents. bumpkin ass <laughs> hick accents, please do. Well, yeah, because no matter what, we're doing a bad Australian accent, not a bad, not even a bad New Zealand one. We're not even skilled enough to do a bad and New those Zealand. Those two nations would strongly disagree about their accents sounding anything alike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're sorry again. <laughs> All right, the new TK Troopers with the helmets that look very original trilogy but are not quite the original trilogy Stormtroopers. Not quite there yet. Are based on Ralph McQuarrie's original trooper concept. I think that was pretty glaring. Not exact, but very close. Mike, you want to give us any background on this? Yeah, so the original concept for the TK actually had one of them holding a lightsaber, which is really funny. And so that had kind of switched eventually to say the lightsaber is the ultimate weapon in the universe. Um, And what's kind of interesting when you look at the shape of it is that the original clone trooper helmets had the unified eye visor. And I think that drew a lot of hints from the Mandalorian helmets, because if you remember Mm. Jango's original helmet has the T visor, which is almost all Mandalorian helmets have that. And so everything being based off of a Django Fett style has that look to it. And so we're finally getting closer to the the two identifiable eyes, not the slit anymore. And we kind of saw some of that start to get changed in Rogue One a lot with the uh, with the shore troopers, but then we had death troopers and they actually had individualized eyes. And that was something besides the scouts 
original uh, TK stormtroopers and the original snowtroopers had individual eyes. And if you look at the the model of them, we're getting very close to seeing that unibrow get closed there. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to see. And and this is you know for people who have watched Rebels, Star Wars has always dipped into original Macquarie stuff, and. The other thing that if people are listening is they're going, well, CT stands for clone trooper. What does TK stand for? Truth is, no one really knows. Ah, yeah. I was going to ask that. Interesting. Yep. So no one really knows. It's just, it was like a, you know, that's your designation. And we only saw it from TK421. Why aren't you at your post? Isn't there a theory that it it stands for trooper core? Core with a K, like the German spelling would be. That tracks. Yeah, and, and I, none, I don't think any of that's been confirmed. There's been all kinds of you know theories and ideas behind it, but yeah. So um, stylized, uh, it's very cool. Where you can see that the chest is turning into the the chest looks very similar to the original trilogy suit. Uh, so we're getting there. The back is definitely different, and it's interesting because in some ways the clone troopers look more like the stormtroopers. Yeah. Than yeah. these than these did and main with like the with like the binary thing on the back. Yeah, exactly. Among the costuming groups, people have kind of scratched their heads at some of the points, but I think it's a really awesome way to show that there were different sized people that would enlist in the military. Everybody wasn't this every person is exactly the same, six foot clone troopers. So I think it's gonna start to show a little bit of how the the stormtroopers were made to fit conscripts, uh, not just the same uh, the same trooper. So I'm very excited to see where we go from it. And I'm very excited to see that eventual transition into a fully blown would be technically phase two stormtrooper, which is really cool. And it makes sense when you think about like the amount of time that passes between like generations of hardware, you know, in, in our world, but also the amount of time that passed in the prequels between phase one and phase two. Right. So at first I was like, really, they're going to do another interim version. But then I thought about kind of did the math like, oh, yeah, they wouldn't drop one right now and it's another 19 years or more that they run with it. They would they would have an interim one. Right. And so we we know that I think what we established a timeline. Yeah, it is it is probably 20 years before we see the next time I think that we see a TK is actually in Rebels. And so what what Yeah, so that's probably 50 so about 15 12 10 15 years. We're in 19 ABY right now or BBY, sorry. Okay. The Massifs, the the dogs, the gross, spiny-backed devil dogs that we see at the beginning of this episode being used as, like, tracker dogs. We've seen those twice, I guess, total. <laughs> it's a little bit like Frog Lady, though. Like, <laughs> we're going to call the dogs Massifs. Get, you get it? Like, not yeah. Mastiffs, but Massifs. Like, the same, but, like, different. But, like, different. Like alien dogs. No, no, no. There's theirs goes dan 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 da dan 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 da dan dan. But mine goes dan 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 da dan dan. But dan 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 da dan. Oh, I see. Yes, yes, yes. Explaining to Kurt Loader why it's not infringement. What a moment. And then Lucas is like, "No, it's always been massives. I wrote that down thirty years ago. It was part of the plan. Been alien dogs. I love Nick's Bill Clinton version of it's definitely Bill Clinton, George Lucas." These dogs are called masses. <laughs> I did not have sex relations with that mass. <laughs> uh, Too political. Yeah. Uh, all politics, all the, the time. The whole podcast is about politics. Uh, the whole thing. Uh, I'm never yeah. listening to your shit again. God. I come here for Star Wars, not politics. <laughs> um, we met them in the Tuscan village where Anakin killed not just the men, but the women. And the children. Dude, the <laughs> meme you posted today was so good. Kills an entire village. Padme smiling. Punches someone. I don't feel safe. <laughs> so good. And then we see them finally again in Mando. In the uh, that little... Um, it was like a canyon, right? Canyon, yeah. Tuscan Raiders had him. Yeah, the one ran up and Mando was like, hey, he's a good boy. Oh, and everything was fine. Chapter 9, right? Sure. Cop Vanth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There we go. When the Marauder is getting hit by all the V-Wings and they're at the end and like potentially going to go down and all this kind of stuff, Omega plugs in Gonky into the ship to like... Ray's mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ray's mom, Gonky, is finally given a purpose in the Star Wars universe. 
Yeah, they're giant batteries. They're like yeah. they're like uh, they're like Mophies with feet. <laughs> yeah, now we That's know. Great. Until this episode, they just went gonk. That's that was a, their yeah. whole purpose. Can you imagine the light bulb moment in the writers' room where it was like they charge shit? That's why That's they look what like they that. do. Why would they need a face? Yeah, I wrote that down fifty years ago. <laughs> They're power banks. <laughs> I did not have sexual relations with that robot. <laughs> <laughs> for just a great discussion about whether or not Lucas had everything planned out from day one, see our comments in the. Uh, Oh, the Back to the Future uh, Clone Wars one? The Back to the Future one, yeah. People just like with all the certainty in the world are like, absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) He knew exactly what was going to happen in the Clone Wars. Dude, it's okay if he didn't. It's okay. We can get over it. I just think he he comes off as like a hipster sometimes. Like like when he talks about things, like it's like, dude, even him, I want to be like, yo, it's okay. We're not like, yeah, like we all know, we all know that you did not have a plan that Luke and Leia were related and Vader was their father for an entire (laughs) film that we worship. We all know that. So stop trying to pretend (laughs) like you had the prequels planned out in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Love the guy, but come on, man. It's unnecessary. No, no, no. Let's see. uh, The clone commando that they... Nick, like you mentioned earlier, takes a few shots to to knock down. Mm-hmm. You mentioned him p- potentially being scorched from the Delta Squad from the Republic Commando video game. Yeah, there's. I think that there's consensus online that yeah. that's who that was. And he's like the hero of the game, right? He's like the the dude. I believe so. Yeah, that would be cool. I hope that. I mean, they they re released that game on PlayStation and everything else, so it's like soft canonized, I guess. Now, I think. One of the sound engineers for the Bad Batch confirmed Scorch, I believe. Oh, yeah, David Collins. Yeah. He's the one who, I think, for a, a couple of times during the duration of the Bad Batch, like this whole season, he's definitely referenced Republic Commando for different sounds and stuff like that. So Sick. Didn't he work on he must have, Republic yeah. Commando? Luke, Lucas R. Oh, so that's right. He, back in we, the day. we mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. A lot. We mentioned this earlier. A lot of little bits, little musical cues were pulled from A New Hope. I mean, like direct rips, Mm -hmm. especially the chase scene. That's the exact piece from the Death Star hall chase with Han running back and forth. Note for note. Mm -hmm. Dude, that I just, I got full body goosebumps when that shit happened. I was so psyched. So pumped. And then there's some others. There are a bunch because obviously we're transitioning to that. So Kiner's pulling that stuff, dropping his stuff in between on top. Good vibes. The moment when they take off, the Batch takes the helmet off of the first TK Trooper to find out that they're not clones. I felt like it was kind of a mirror moment of a couple things. One, when Pong Krell in the Clone Wars tricks the two squads of clones into fighting each other, and they don't realize it till they roll up and see, oh my God, this is a clone. They take off the helmet. It's one of their brothers. They thought they were disguised, quote, you know? I thought it kind of mirrored that. And then also Luke fighting Vader and seeing his own face. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, um, Nick, you have something in here about a sports thing? Oh, yeah. Um, I, can't, I can't read sports things. My brain doesn't know how to read that. I, <laughs> I get illiterate all of a sudden. I, we probably should have mentioned this when we were actually covering the, uh, the Clone Wars episode that Gregor was in. Griga, when Griga was in. Griga. But his helmet has a bunch of like, uh, they almost look like scars, you know, with stitches on them. Markings. And apparently that's like a, a little bit of a nod to an old, uh, probably a couple of old NHL goalies when like their gear wasn't so sick. So they would actually get hit in the face with pucks. Um, oh, but God. someone uh, mentioned Jerry Cheever's mask because it had like basically like a line with a bunch of different like scars and, and scratches and stitches and all that type of stuff on it. So I know Filoni's a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, so I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it past him to actually use that as a reference. But remember, Rex's helmet actually has... Like a kill count actual, kind of thing. Yeah, they've mm-hmm. got a kill count on there. Yeah. So I'm, I think that's a great point and definitely sounds like another feloniism. Yeah. Sports! <laughs> Real quick about Gregor. We first met him, we talked a little bit about this before, we first met him in the Clone Wars Season 5, Episode 3, Missing in Action. He was living uh, in this place that they called... What was it called? The Void? Like, what was that? Yeah. And he was just working for some dude as like, it was like a cook or something, right? Or like a maintenance man or a janitor or something. Yeah, he was washing dishes. Washing dishes, yeah. Had amnesia and 
when this little, there's this tiny little character. He's like, I don't know, six inches tall and he's, he's the general or whatever. And he's ordering around these droids, but he meets Gregor and he like jumps up on him and like looks in his face and he's like, you're a clone. And Gregor's like, what's a clone? And it ends up at the end of this episode, it all comes back to him and he, he fights and it ends in him sacrificing himself. Like we mentioned earlier, we didn't at the time know that he was going to survive. I guess they didn't have a plan necessarily, but then he shows up in rebels, which we'll talk about when we finally co- cover rebels, he and Rex and Wolf, another clone are just like out in the galaxy, just chilling in a Walker. It's like the Imperial equivalent of like a VW microbus That's just got <laughs> like crap hanging off the sides, you it's know, an RV. <laughs> yeah, it's an RV and they're just chilling out in the desert with it. They're in, uh, probably four episodes, I guess, of Rebels. Gregor ends up dying. There's a battle. He goes down like a champ. It's a great, great arc. So it was sweet to see him come in here, and I'm sure we'll meet Wolf, if not by the end of the season, definitely at some point in the Bad Batch. It's all coming together. Final item in the Den of Antiquities. Ryan, you noticed this. Tell him about it. On Daro, when the Batch looks up at the the mountain, and, and is it Tech or, or Echo that you know, kind of blurts out there's a facility and there's something inside of that mountain. It's Hunter. Yeah. So I, one of the only, you know, beyond the films and now Clone Wars and now this like deep dive things I've ever done in my life beyond the films was as a kid, I read the Timothy Zahn Thrawn trilogy in the nineties. Amazing books. If you can get past them, not being canon, I'm air quotes canon, just to read them for how fun it is because it takes place right after Return of the Jedi and it's like Han and Leia are married and they have twins and Luke has trained Leia to be a Jedi and all it's just it's so it's like what the sequel trilogy might have been I mean that's what the books were written to be because there never was a plan for a sequel trilogy you know yeah there was there always was (laughs) (laughs) thank you Mr. President (laughs) Um, there always was a plan (laughs) so anyways there's something inside that mountain throwback i think to mount tantis which is in the thrawn trilogy so it's a mountain that palpatine used to hide a bunch of stuff it's it's known as like a secret storehouse so in the mountain there was um objects and trinkets of unspeakable evil as well as mementos from conquest of the empire his most private treasures were hidden in a massive labyrinth designed by Garbo Vidros in the mountain's bottom chamber. But the coolest thing here in the book, the mountain and its storehouses were guarded by a dark Jedi referred to as the Guardian. Mm-hmm. And inside one of the like deep chambers of the mountain, there were Sparty, Sparty, S-P-A-A-R-T-I, which I think was pre-Camino. Like that was just... Timothy Zahn just came up with that. I, don't, I, I may be wrong here. Someone could correct me, but I think that's like, that's Timothy Zahn's sort of writing of like where the clone, where cloning came from. So Sparty cloning cylinders, uh, which were used by Grand Admiral Thrawn to create a crew of clones for his new fleet of dreadnoughts. So all that to say, and I'm, I'm pulling all this from Wikipedia, but uh, I remember it from the book. And I just, as soon as he was like, there's something in that mountain, I, my ears pricked up like, ooh, <laughs> is it going to be like a secret this is where they're bringing Nala Say to like do secret experiments or what, you know what I mean? I just, I immediately thought that he was tying into the book and who knows if there's any nod to that or not, but it's the first time we've ever seen a facility inside of a mountain like that, you know, that, that I think in my mind throws back to Mount Tantis as it's called in the books. How much you want to make a bet? I can throw a football over the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could think the whole time you were talking. <laughs> All right. That's all I have on Mount Tantis. I love you. I know. Favorite scenes and moments and quotes and stuff. What's your favorite scene? Tell us, folks. Definitely the, it's not even, it's not one scene, but just being inside that facility and and feeling like I was inside the Death Star. Yeah. That, that whole thing was just, that's what made the episode for me. I was just. It was, it was awesome. I mean, even like I mentioned this at the top of the episode, the scene where they're in like that control room and it has kind of the red paneling on the walls and stuff like totally, yeah. nothing really happened in that scene. But I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, so, that actual control panel was for sure a slice of the cell block area. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
it was so that whole sequence for me just just the really you know we're really starting to get those like light panels in the walls from the death star mm-hmm. and the star destroyers like it's just so sick i have chills now talking about it. so yeah. sick uh, I'm going to go with kind of an honorable mention moment. It was like really one of the few moments of comedy and I didn't put it in the like quotes or scenes or anything for the poll, but when they're towards the beginning of the episode and they're on the Marauder and <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Everyone on the Marauder keeps making points and Wrecker's like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, he, she's got a point. Oh yeah. I laughed then, out loud. And then Tech says something. He's <laughs> 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 like, oh yeah, he's got a point. <laughs> the kid's got a point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, how about you? Favorite scene? Um, all in all, I I loved the whole episode in terms of the weight of moving where I think everyone, a- after last week's episode, I think this episode gave us a lot to chew on. There was one scene in particular that I actually thought was a great little script flipped because when Hunter falls and there were plenty of times where you have this heroic one arm grab and Hunter grabs Omega or whatever. And they, they missed. Yeah. And Hunter falls and he just gets clocked through the trees. And then right before he falls into the actual forest, he pulls his knife out for this classic action hero move and tries to stab it into the side of the mountain. And traditionally we see the cliffhanger moment where it's like, Oh, I'm hanging on by, you know, the, needle point of my knife right and it's holding my entire giant human body it just didn't work and he fell and i was like that's a great that's an awesome kind of action trope that i think that we didn't you know that we were expecting to see because a lot of the show has played out a lot of those those tropes so i thought i i recognized that and i was like that was cool that they that they made hunter look vulnerable uh and then you saw how many troopers showed up to kind of wrangle him and let you know that I think after this point and what's happened, they are not going to underestimate the Bad Batch anymore. Dope. My favorite, I'm going to go with Ryan and I guess just be slightly more specific. The chase, the stunning of the troopers, just like the kind of the gun battle and the moments when we hear the actual A New Hope, the actual score. I guess starting with breaking Gregor out. I don't know. I won't go any further than that. It was just, it was such a throwback that how could I not love that? That's my favorite. How about quotes? Favorite quotes? I'm going to go with, that's Captain Traitor, insubordinate plebe. <laughs> Random, I know, but it made me laugh. That was good. Nikki? I think part of the reason I want to like know more about what happens to Nalase and Lamasu is because their story is really interesting. And their, their line, um, Lamasu, I guess, says it. it the empire is not like the Republic. We've empowered them to our own detriment. I fear they will destroy us rather than allow this operation to continue. It's just so like deep, like they're feeling such like a hurt because of what they provided. They had a role in the galaxy changing and now they're just going to be like, you know, they're fearing for their lives. It's pretty, pretty heavy. My favorite quote I think is when the Bad Batch is meeting Gregor and they're, they're kind of like establishing who they are and what they are. And Gregor says, armor like that, I take it your CC's like me. And Hunter says, CT-99s. Gregor's like, defective clones. If you ask me, it's the ones who want to stay here who are really defective. It's just kind of, you know, the idea that like they're defective. He knows that's bullshit. And he's clearly, I don't know if, if his chip never activated or what, but he's clearly just like, he's under no one's control but his own. He sees the whole world and all this shit completely differently. I think it's dope. Yeah. And I mean, if he's he's training Order 66 clones, he's clearly got to be like, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So he's got to think they're defective. All right. Let's see what the patrons thought. Favorite scenes, we, of course, polled the patrons like we do every single week. We have five nominees for favorite scenes, and they are the following. Number one, Gregor being chased through the forest by the clones with massifs. That's the opening scene. Second nominee, Rex calling the Bad Batch via Hollow asking for help rescuing a clone. Third nominee, the Bad Batch rescue the clone from captivity, the Gregor reveal. Fourth nominee, Omega pilots the Marauder and helps Wrecker rescue the Bad Batch. That was a really dope scene. Fifth and final nominee, 
Rampart informs the Kaminoans of his future plans for them after cloning has been decommissioned. Sorry about you. <laughs> bye. Would you say bye? <laughs> Boy, bye. T- take a seat with the plebs. <laughs> Patron Zach Copeland, if I pronounce your name wrong, I'm sorry, said rescuing Gregor and the chases throughout the hallway are so gnarly in this episode. And as a giant, all caps, Republic Commando fan, seeing Scorch, there it is again, made me audibly scream out, no f***ing way. <laughs> uh, Danny said, rescuing Gregor for sure. His reveal, the Republic Commando nods, the OG Imperial Stormtrooper music cues, inject it into my veins. <laughs> Whoa. The spice. <laughs> the winner of favorite scene with 41% of the vote is the Bad Batch rescuing the clone from captivity and the reveal that it is, in fact, Gregor. Second place, 36% of the vote. This was actually pretty close. Omega piloting the Marauder and helping Wrecker rescue the Bad Batch. Lit up. Favorite quotes, five nominees as well. First nominee, this is Lama Sue. The Empire is not like the Republic. We have empowered them to our own detriment. I fear they will destroy us rather than allow this operation to continue. Second nominee, Hunter and Echo talking about... Our boy Rex. Hunter says, We're bagging a lot on a clone we don't even know. Rex trusts him. And I trust Rex. Third nominee, Hunter and Echo again. Butting heads. I didn't notice until now that it was the two of them each time. That's pretty dope. Hunter says, We'd be going in blind without any reinforcements. You did that on Skako Minor when you rescued me. I'd still be trapped in that place if you hadn't. Fourth nominee, Gregor and a TK trooper in the cell. Hey, newbie. How about you be useful? Get me some food. Quiet, traitor. That's Captain Traitor. <laughs> Insubordinate plebe. What'd you say, Nick? Is my camera all f***ed up for you? Yeah. Yes, you look like a <laughs> horror movie. Yeah, what happened? You look like Sasquatch <laughs> looks in real life, but if Sasquatch <laughs> is balding. <laughs> what in the hell happened? It looks awesome. That was a great description, Adam. Have fun looking at that for the the remainder of the recording. I'm getting a screenshot right now. Nice. Posting that to my grand. That's what your your face looks like. I don't think my camera died. It's plugged in. I have no idea what's going on. God, you look amazing. You look like you were a G.I. Joe or some kind of figure. And Why am I bald? Yeah, I'm saying. It, it looks like so much, like a little kid like sanded you down on the pavement, you know? Yeah. Sanded yeah, your yeah. whole helmet and everything off. No, yeah. like it's like he's a, like has no face, you know? It's like, yeah. like a scary, scary movie, like faceless ghost thing. Um, fifth and final nominee for favorite quotes, Gregor and the Bad Batch meeting each other. This is Gregor and Hunter. This is the one I picked. I'm a like that. I take it you're CCs, like me. CT-99s. Defective clones. <laughs> if you ask me, it's the ones who want to stay here who are really defective. Tammy, one of our patrons who has two long other names that I'm not going to try to pronounce and embarrass myself, said, I also love when Gregor was like, teach them everything. That would be a good idea. Yeah. That would have been a great one. You blew it, Nick. You're frozen. You're bald. I hate being bald. And you left out this quote. <laughs> Whatever. Good one. <laughs> Ian Thompson, longtime patron, said, I love the character development we saw with Echo in this episode. Same. His quote hits home really well. The winner, this was close-ish. Again, 35% of the vote, first place. My pick, armor like that. I take it your CC's like me. CT-99s, actually. Defective clones. If you ask me, it's the ones who want to stay here that are really defective, y'all. <laughs> that was Gregor and Hunter. Those are their um, voices when they're off the clock. <laughs> Second place with 21% of the vote, Lamasu with the gentlest voice and the longest neck. The Empire is not like the Republic. We've empowered them to our own detriment. I fear they will destroy us rather than allow this operation to continue. You think? <laughs> Good times. Any final thoughts before we wrap this mug up? Unless I totally spaced out and <laughs> you did, we look didn't really talk about spaced I out. I look. <laughs> uh, SpongeBob caveman. Damn it. 
caveman spongebob um, unfrozen caveman lawyer <laughs> anybody remember that skit yeah i do so ridiculous uh <laughs> we didn't really talk about hunter and crosshair at the end we didn't we kind of yeah. blew it so maybe we should talk about that and yeah final um, thoughts is the final scene of the episode did the vibe seem weird like it wasn't very like adversarial i feel like i feel like there was wiggle room there where it wasn't necessarily like oh you're here i'm gonna kill you he opened the door to the cell you know yeah. like just casually stood there I, yeah. I don't know like why wouldn't there he have was talked something to bizarre him? Are you suggesting that maybe there's a full-on switcheroo mm, about to happen? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, there's some things that we've talked about where, you know, like maybe his his scarring is near his chip and all this stuff. I, I don't know. There was something not quite like, oh, Crosshair's clearly the bad guy. Hunter's clearly the good guy. There was some yeah. sort of thing going on there. What was the line that he actually said? It was, I was expecting... Uh, the I was expecting the whole squad yeah but you'll do but, but you'll, you'll do. do yeah okay so if we remember to the beginning of this show when they were they were talking about the genetic material right uh, and so yeah. i don't i don't know if crosshair has is only serving the empire and he's on just a revenge mission for himself or whatever that is but you know we still have to assume that the kaminoans wanted that original sample right yeah and we assume that was omega so i don't know if crosshair is going to use hunter as bait for to capture omega mm. um, but i thought that was interesting that he said that because it's very reminiscent to the kaminoans saying we only need we only need one yeah yeah that's a good point the most important thing to note i think is that his scarring is only on the side of his head, but Nick's scarring is on the whole front of his face. <laughs> From like mid, mid cranium. Can we just make this the actual cover? Okay. Your mouth, your mouth too is like, <laughs> just make this the actual cover of the podcast this week. <laughs> yeah. So people get their notifications. It looks like it could be the cover to like a ghost stories podcast. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Some supernatural, uh, you know, phenomenon. Sucky. Podcast. This is, um, uh, what's the kids, the line of kids books that they made into a show recently? Goosebumps. Scary stories. Mm. Scary yeah. stories to tell in the dark. Yeah. Either one of those. Goosebumps or scary stories to tell in the dark. <laughs> if I saw Nick's current state on a cover, I would, I, I couldn't have that book anywhere <laughs> in my area when I was trying to go to sleep. Oh, God. <laughs> this is definitely turning into a, uh, discord emoji. Yeah. Please, <laughs> please do. Yes. Well, we're going to need Twitch emotes. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ryan Key, wrap us up with a quote of the week. I've got a good one. I kind of want Nick to read it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a whirl. All right. The story being told in Star Wars is a classic one. Okay, for real, though. This tells you that it was planned out all along, every every part of it. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it was planned It was planned before he was even born, according yeah, to I him. Think so. <laughs> because, quote, the story being told in Star Wars is a classic one. Every few hundred years, the story is retold because we have a tendency to do the same things over and over again. Power corrupts, and when you're in charge, you start doing things that you think are right, but they're actually not. The man himself, George Lucas. And I think that's just a cool, relevant quote because of how heavy-handed the Empire is becoming right before our eyes with the Bad Batch. It's awesome. Once every hundred thousand years or so, when the sun doth shine and the moon doth glow. Yeah. Yeah, that. I, I also agree. Star Wars has always been political. That's a fact. Yeah, that's, that's, why quote, we're, you know? that's why we're such a political show. I know. <laughs> Too much politics. That's why we're a politics-only podcast. If you just mention Star Wars, it's political. I get it. Dude, you made a joke about George knowing the whole story before he was even born or before he even wrote it, whatever yeah, every, the joke was. Every hundred years or so, yeah. the story gets rewritten. But there is an awesome, amazingly done short, which you guys may or may not have seen. I think it's called Star Wars Origins. It looks phenomenal. Like, I, of course, have notes. <laughs> I, of course, have, like, feedback on, like, what I feel I like could have made it better because it was, a like, a no-budget short or whatever. I don't want to spoil anything. But it it had some budget. I mean, let's be real. Right. Yeah. Like they spent some money, but I can't imagine right. they went in, you know, no budget in like the, the indie filmmaker sense. Right. Right. It is an amazing concept. And I won't say much else because I don't want to ruin it. You know, along the way, you're like, oh, that line's kind of cheesy or oh, that, that shot could have been better. 
when it hits at the end, dude, I choked up. It's damn good. So check that out. We'll put a link in the show notes probably. All right. Everyone, thanks for being here. Mike, thanks for hanging. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, fourth host. If you want to listen to more Star Wars stuff, of course, check out Mike's podcast, Armor Party. It's all about costuming. You want to tell him anything? Uh, you mentioned you had a big guest on recently. Anything before we go? Yeah, we had. the. I think the show is really starting to hit its stride in terms of connecting with people who are interacting with it. And there's something really cool about deep diving into what got people started because it's so easy for people who are looking at getting into costuming to assume that everyone they follow because they make awesome stuff started out that way. And so I think it's really making the hobby a little bit more approachable. Uh, And it's been very cool seeing everybody share what they're working on and it's kind of turning into a big, you're just sharing work in progress and the community is responding really well to it. So uh, this week, uh, past week, we had one of the actors from The Mandalorian on and he was fantastic. It was our longest episode yet. It was so good. Yeah, he's he's just the, the kindest person. Paul uh, Sun Young Lee from Who's Carson Teva in season two. Uh, and next week we have Ray Kennix, who is a fantastic Ahsoka cosplayer. And I'm super excited to share that with everyone because she's I'm awesome. friendly with her. We 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 met a little bit at a celebration. Oh, she rules. might not be friendly with the way your face looks now. <laughs> she would run. That's what I looked like it's when still, I met her. It's still that way. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly yeah, you when I walked that up to excited her. excited to see her. Yeah. <laughs> so there will be a ep- new episode a few days after this one drops. Every other Tuesday. Dope. Uh, where can they follow you on social media, Mike? I'm most active on Instagram. That's the easiest one for me and the one I like the most. So follow us at Armor Party Show on Instagram. And we are updating the process of updating and adding episodes to our YouTube and also on Facebook if that's the thing you like to do. Uh, but Instagram is definitely the best way to get a hold of us. So sweet. Find us there. If you want to follow this podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at ThankTheMakerPod, on Twitter at ThankTheMaker. My personal stuff is all at Adam the Skull. Mine is at William Ryan Key. And I'm at Nick Bayside on both Twitter and Instagram. And please give the Radio Radio Show a listen. Episode 7 is out right now. I have three more episodes until I hit that 10-episode mark where I will have played 100 different artists, and I'm loving it. It's a lot of fun. Also, if you want merch, if you want T-shirts, blouses, tops, whatever you want to call them, depending on where you're from in the world. ThankTheMakerMerch.com is where you can go for that. I promise the Super Bad Batch shirt is going to get up before the series ends. If it doesn't, I'm an idiot. (laughs) Blowing it. You have two weeks left. Mike made it, and it's great. Thank you, patrons, for listening. If you want to be a patron who hangs out while we record this podcast live and you hear all the crap and all the stuff that doesn't make it and the fumbles and just the kind of the the behind-the-scenes vibe, we have a tier that lets you do that. It is the Jedi Council tier. Patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod is where you can find that. Check it out. Until next time, may the Force be with you. 